to receive instruction from him. Amen. Father, God our Father, in the mighty name of Jesus Christ, we gather today as one. Just as you and the Father are one, we come to honor you, we come to worship you, we come to receive from you. We thank you for everything you've done, both seen and unseen. We worship you today. Thank you for who you are. Thank you for the sacrifice on the cross. Thank you that we are seated with you today in heavenly places. Hallelujah. Pray, Father, in Jesus' name, that every person is at rest today in their spirit. I pray, Lord, in Jesus' name, that they are delivered today in their spirit. I pray for your rest to come upon every person here. Thank you, Lord. I pray for deliverance and rest to come upon every person here today. I pray also, Lord, for your joy, for the joy to overflow in them. For the joy set before you, you endured the cross. The greatest death, Lord, was endured because of joy. I pray that joy never leaves us because of the assurance we have in the finished work of the cross. I thank you. I pray every person here is refreshed by the Holy Spirit. Pray the anointing of refreshment comes upon every person here. Thank you. I pray, Lord, that you refresh their soul. Refresh them so that they can fight the good fight of faith. Thank you. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Father. Any person here that's burnt out, any person that's lost hope, any person here that's defeated, any person here that's operating in failure, in the mighty name of Jesus Christ, we declare rest over them. Thank you. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah to your name. And we honor you. What you're going to do today. Amen. Amen. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. How are you all today? We good? Good to see you. Amen. Okay. Hmm. I want to share something that came to me in the Holy Spirit. I want to share something with you that the Holy Spirit put on my heart when I'm worshipping. How many people here, they are waiting for the Lord to answer them? Be honest. How many petitions and prayer requests you got in your own heart for the Lord to, to fix any solutions or problems that you're going through? Hands up, please. Hands up. Good. 
I want to share something with you. I had a person that was dear to me. This will shock you. For a person, and if I heard this when I first got saved, I would have think it's not the Holy Spirit. But I want to share what happened. There was a person dear to me in my journey, and I would preach. I would show that person Christ. I'll do everything I can to plant any seed. And it was interesting how God taught me something here from this. The Holy Spirit came in my dream that day when I was discouraged that that person didn't receive in the way that I wanted that person to receive. And the Holy Spirit said to me that this person will not come to me now. <laughs> that this person that you're trying to bring to me will not come to me now. Imagine hearing that from the Holy Spirit. Imagine hearing that from the Holy Spirit. That a person that you love, you cherish, is not ready to accept me or receive me yet. How many people here, they are praying for someone to accept him? And they're doing everything they can for that person to, re to receive Christ. You know, this can become a stumbling block to you. The reason why I share it, because it can become a stumbling block to you. You begin to base your faith on how others respond to what you believe. And what happened was, what the Holy Spirit said to me after that, He said to me this, that was something regarding my own character. And you know what He said? He said, that person is not going to come to me now. He said to me, but can you still love him in the same way? In my dream, the Holy Spirit said to me that they are not going to come to me now, but can you love them still in the same way? Now that was a character. I recognize that God's dealing with my character. Because imagine someone doesn't respond to the way you want it to respond. It's control, right? It's control. And God taught me to let go. My journey is no longer based on who receives from me and who doesn't receive from me. My journey is based how I walk with him now. Are we understanding? So let's say you have loved ones. Let's say you have loved ones in your family and you're waiting for God to respond. Relatives, friends, and you're waiting God to respond. Don't hold on to that. Because that's a false hope. What you do is you submit and surrender to Christ and walk with him. And in the right time, God can send you and someone else to them. Let God do it in his way. But God said something to me at the end. Can you still love them in the same way if they don't receive what you believe? The lesson for us here today, I felt led to share this. Yes? Can you love them in the same way? Because that's the gospel. We love without expecting anything in return.
And when we receive Christ, we're so, we're so joyful that we want every person to receive, but they don't receive in the time you think. Now, interesting. But can you love them the same? See, the Holy Spirit told me, can you love them the same? Can you be around them and be the same to them? Can you have a helping hand and they won't receive Christ? Because doing all those things ushers the bridge for them to get saved. So a lot of people think, you know, this person didn't receive in the way that I wanted to receive. I'm going to keep my distance. But God showed me that as I loved, as I showed, that ushers the door for God's salvation. Are you listening? That's a character issue. God was dealing with my character. Because if someone doesn't receive from me, you're there, I'm here. And God changed that in my own heart. I'm happy to share my own heart with you. But God was correcting me. And he was inviting me into something so deep that love has no control in it. Are you listening? Love has no control in it. The true gospel of love has no control in it. It learns to let go and let God. So in my journey, I learned this after God spoke to me. This person will not come to me now. Imagine hearing that. You would think, you didn't hear from God. But that person hasn't received Christ yet. And, and am, I, am I believing on that statement? No. I'm believing that I'll be the, present, I'll be the image of Christ. I'll show love in every way to serve in a way that I can and God will do the rest. You learned this? But can you still love them the same? Character. What do you do in your heart when people don't respond to what you believe in? Some people get discouraged, which is a form of pride. Some people get angry. Some people start to threaten. Some people begin to manipulate. And it's so important that when you offer the gospel to anyone, it's without expecting anything in return. It's because it's based on what you have in your heart. And it's based on how you give it freely. So I felt led to share this. How many people? I won't share the other part because I'll be here for another half an hour. But it links up with what God showed me. Would you still love them the same? Look into your heart today and see if Christ really dwells there. Because Jesus, the Son of God, left people as he was walking and there was nothing in him that got irritated or frustrated. And that is the true love of God, that we can love to the end. We can love to the end. He blessed my heart when God showed me the true meaning of that he loved Judas to the end. Because in true love there's no deceit. There's no deceit in the true love of God. It cries out to the end for someone to see Christ. Amen? Okay, next testimony. 
this is an interesting one. And I say this humbly. This person, this person came to me last week. And he said to me, he said to me that I had a dream. That he was in a field, he was in a field, and he was producing so many potatoes. Potatoes, he was in a field, and as far as I can see, there was potatoes being produced from that field. Then he saw a house with bees inside of the house, and it was producing honey. So this person, I say this humbly, not to look down or belittle anyone. And this person went and saw an asked person for some advice. And there's a movie, I don't know if you know it, but I haven't, I haven't watched it, but that person watched it. It's called The Potato Man. It's a Christian movie. You know about it or not? Faith like a potato. Faith like a potato. So this movie and chicken salt. So, <laughs> so this movie, um, it came across, which is perfectly normal. It came across that God, God can be ushering the door for blessings to come upon you. Because this man done mighty things by him. Uh, having faith through all the potatoes that he produced from his farm. And that man said that this movie can be a door where it's ushering God's blessings upon you. So the, pers the person asked me about the dream. And I, and I say this humbly again. The person asked me about the dream. And I think last week or the week before, the Holy Spirit spoke to me. You want to know what he said? You, you want to know what he said? He said to me that the field, the field or the soil of the field is his heart. And he said the potatoes that he's producing is something that puffs his heart. It makes you full from pride, from unbelief. And he said the fields that he's producing and he's bringing towards me is the puffing of the flesh. His flesh is puffed up before me. And he said to me, pay attention. As I'm praying here, he said, pay attention. The house that you see is his heart. And the bees that are there producing the honey is the word of God. And he says, as he hears the word of God, the pride will begin to get dealt with. As he sits in the word of God, the pride will begin to get exposed. And isn't that interesting that the first encounter we have with God's word is to discover the condition of our heart. Hebrews 4.12 The first encounter you have with the word of God is to discover the condition of your heart. That's for every believer here. But what did the Holy Spirit do? You see, he offered him a way out. Because every person started their journey like this. Are you meant to stay there? No. And the fruit that he was producing is the puffing and the flaring up of the flesh. Because what does the potato do? It's a carb. It, it, it bloats you. And that's how God was seeing his walk. And I say this humbly. God was offering him a way out. As you sit in the word of God humbly and you begin to let it penetrate your heart, 
God's offering him the way out. But he also said to me this. He said, a little, uh, he goes, too much honey and he'll vomit it out. And this means that don't apply the word to something that you don't need in that present time. Apply the word to what you need to overcome that obstacle or battle that you're in. That's how you become effective in dealing with unbelief. That's, you be, that's how you become effective in dealing with rebellion. That's how you become effective in, in being a person that's operating in the natural man. You understanding? Too much honey and he'll vomit it out. Meaning, you get so much of the word and it doesn't value you to get out of that situation. Use the word of God. This is a lesson for us here. Use the word of God to overcome whether it's pride, whether it's sin, whether it's unbelief. Use the word of God to, to steer where you're going. Are we understanding? Use the word of God where the Holy Spirit got you. And this is something that you have to see where you are. You're in the mental, emotional realm. You're in the soulish realm. Use the word of God to identify where you are as a believer. And the next thing I say, be careful how we interpret dreams. If you don't hear from God, do not speak anything. I know a lot of people want to be something for God. God will allow you to hear clearly when he speaks. If he doesn't speak, continue to focus on your heart. Continue to walk and please him. But when he speaks, you speak. If he doesn't speak, you don't speak. I'm, I'm saving you. Because you're playing with someone's life here. Giving someone false hope. You're playing with someone's life here. Are we understanding? That's why I'm so careful in how I speak to people about their journey, about their life, about their heart. And that's a leader's role as well. I say that humbly, but that's a leader's role to see where they are and to show them how to get out. Don't play with people's lives. If you don't know what to say, focus on your journey. The Holy Spirit spoke to me two weeks ago and he said to me something about my heart. He said to me, he asked me this question, why can't my church be built in the way that I want it to be built? And he said to me, your heart's been broken many times for the people that have left. I had thousands come and go. And he said that your heart's been broken. He's speaking to me. He said, your heart's been broken many times because of the people that have left and gone. And he said, it's not your fault. And he said, I want to tell you why. It's not your fault. He goes, because the, the church today see a place as an organization, they don't see it as a family. The, the issue with the church today, they don't see this as a family. They see it as an organization. And the Holy Spirit will show me why the church can't be built today. In the way where there's true love and true intimacy, and everyone, every person begins to operate in love. And it's true. If we can tolerate our own earthly family when they do wrong by us, and we go out of our way to make peace and reconcile with them, 
How greater is the family of God? How greater is the family of God? Paul tells us to leave room for each other's faults. Does that mean we promote the lie? Does that, we, does that mean we promote to be faulty? No. It means that God's family is greater because they'll take you to your destiny. So I encourage every person here to see this place as a family. See this place as a family. It's not an organization or a ministry. It's a family. That means we are to love each other dearly and care for each other. And we, has, we must know that we are here to do life together. Okay? Okay. So let's get into this one. We'll go to we'll go to Matthew twenty five, verse one to thirteen. And this scripture is regarding this scripture is regarding being found with no oil. It's a good topic, right? If you want to hear anything while you're living, yeah, I think it's this. Because you can prepare yourself. If you want to hear anything, it's to prepare yourself. You know why? While you're living, you have free will to do and change as you want. Yes? So if you're uncomfortable, it's a good thing. Because it's conviction. So many people come to me and they say, how do you hear God's voice? And I said to them, can I ask you a question? And they said, yeah. I said, what's the first encounter you have with the Holy Spirit? And when the Spirit of truth comes, He will, he will convict the world of their sin. So what's, what's the first area that God begins to locate you and speak to you? In which area? Conviction. Everyone's here in the Holy Spirit. Is everyone convicted? Everyone is beginning to hear the Holy Spirit. He's already at work in you. So you have to know that if you're an area of conviction, cooperate with Him. Bring them to the light. Bring them to the throne that He has created us to be cleansed from. The first area that God begins to speak is conviction. Begin to work in this area. Because you know what? When you begin to bypass this area, the Holy Spirit takes you back. It brings you back. Until you deal with it. Until you overcome these obstacles, He takes you back. So be that good steward that begins to understand where you are in your journey. Don't compare yourself to me. Don't compare yourself to anyone here or anyone outside or anyone on YouTube or anyone in the Bible. It's very dangerous. Don't compare yourself to anyone in the Bible. God created you unique and special. Be who you are called to be in Christ. Because in this way, God will begin to reveal himself to you personally. Be who you are in the truth. 
So when people tell me, I'm hearing conviction every day, I say, shake my hand, you're hearing the Holy Spirit. <laughs> so that's the first area God begins to locate you, to bring what? Order in your life. Order. He's a God of order. He wants to bring order in your life. Okay, so let's go to Matthew 25, 1 to 13. And we're going to speak much deeper about the shield now. Okay, so let's have a read. This is from the New King James Version. <clears throat> then the kingdom of heaven shall be likened to ten virgins who took their lamps and went out to meet the bridegroom. Now five of them were foolish, five were wise. Uh, sorry, five were wise, five were foolish. Those who were foolish took their lamps and took no oil with them. But the wise took oil in their vessels with their lamps. But while the bridegroom was delayed, they all slumbered and slept. And that night a cry was heard, Behold, the bridegroom is coming, go out to meet him. Then all those virgins arose and trimmed their lamps. And the foolish said to the wise, Give us some of your oil, for our lamps are going out. But the wise answered, saying, No, lest there should not be enough for us and you, but go rather to those who sell and buy for yourselves. And while they went to buy, the bridegroom came, and those who were ready went in with him to the wedding, and the door was shut. Afterwards the other virgins came also, saying, Lord, Lord, open to us. But he answered and said, Assuredly, I say to you, I do not know you. Watch therefore, for you know neither the, the day nor the hour in which the Son of Man is coming. Now it's interesting, but I'm not going to go there today. The other five that were wise gave the wrong advice. Did you ever think about that? The five that were wise, they gave the wrong advice because they came back with no oil and the door was shut. But I'm not going to share that today. I'm sharing something else. But I'm just bringing to your attention. Is there another way? There is no other way but to cooperate with the Holy Spirit. There's no other way. <laughs> it's true, right? You read it, right? They gave the wrong advice. <laughs> you think about it, you read it, you think, what's going on? God leaves it there to dig more deeper. Okay, so we spoke... <laughs> we spoke we spoke last week about the shield. Can we have the shield? I have one of those. Um, Anton and Georgina got me one of those. It's at my house. I just remembered. But can we go to the shield? I want to show you what the Holy Spirit showed me. The shield. Uh, the, the big shield. interesting, eh? They gave the wrong advice. It's interesting, eh? 
they gave the wrong advice, what do you think they were actually lacking? Anyways, I'll leave that for you. I always leave, throw a little, like a, we'll keep with the shield. Don't worry about anyone else now, worry about yourself. So this is the shield. I didn't share it last week, but I'll share it this week. The Holy Spirit showed me something special here when I was studying this last week. And he said to me that the shield, the shield, how you see the enemy is when you're in a stance of praying. Right? We all got that last week, right? He said to me that when you're praying, you can see the enemy at a distance. Right? When anyone is at war, they're always sitting they're in, a, in a position where they're sitting and they're trying to locate the enemy, right? Yes? This symbolic of watch, watching, watching and praying, that symbolic of watching and praying, is, is your stance, is your stance for the anointed shield, is your stance to see the enemy. Now, he showed me, when you're standing, he showed me when you're standing holding the armor, what's exposed is your heart. Okay? Now, this is the next treasure that the Holy Spirit showed me regarding this message. Is when, when you're standing, you can see, right? When you're, sorry, when you're kneeling down in the, in the position of prayer, you can begin to locate the enemy. Where? From the outside and the inside. So let's say you lack prayer. Can you locate the enemy? You have no discernment because the Holy Spirit was designed to do that for you. When the Spirit of Truth comes, He will convict. Does He do that without you doing anything? No. You have to be in the attitude of prayer. So when you're in the attitude of prayer, not only does God let you see the enemy from the outside, Regarding the things of the world, he lets you see the enemy in the inside. And it's interesting that we're going to go one step deeper. That the people that lacked oil, the five foolish, they didn't have an established prayer life. Now, now, if I was to come to you today and I ask you a question, what is your prayer life? you would probably respond like the five foolish. And, and are you meant to stay there? You're meant to understand that prayer life cannot be compromised. I have a saying, you stop praying, you become prey. You become, pra you become prayer for the enemy. Food, food. He begins to eat your flesh. So prayer was designed to what? Protect you. Protect your life as a believer. Prayer was designed to protect you. You can't compromise prayer. You can't compromise prayer. Because if you compromise prayer, you don't see the enemy out and in. And you understand? Please understand this. Your prayer life is designed from God to what? Protect you. Prayer doesn't please God. It protects you. 
All your, nat- all your spiritual senses come out of the attitude of what? Prayer. Everything comes from prayer. Prayer. All you hear in the New Testament, Jesus prayed. He went out. He prayed. He prayed. He prayed. Why? Because that allowed him to be the complete Christian or the complete believer. Your prayer life. So many people that are effective in one area, they lack 10. It's, I, I guarantee you, your prayer life's not established. So here, as you're holding the shield, the only thing that's exposed is what? Heart. So, we established that the five foolish, they lacked the prayer life. And that's symbolic of King David. <clears throat> His prayer life was not established as a believer, and he gave way to the flesh. When he was on the high place of a balcony, looking at Bathsheba. He was in an area of what? Lack of prayer that allowed him to become prey. We, we agree? And to be, to be in a high place of a balcony, it's symbolic of an imagination. Your own imagination. When you don't have a prayer life, your imagination begins to roll out and then you act upon that imagination. It's pretty deep, eh? Okay, so this, this now, regarding the shield, we're going to speak about the next characteristic of what it means to not have oil when the Lord comes back. I had an agony question on my journey. Who are these believers? Because no one else here wants to become that believer. Do you want to become that believer? Yes? Do you want to become those believers that have no oil when Jesus comes back? Oh, he'll understand. You know, I tried a bit and it was good. You know, he knows my heart. Prayer is what unlocks God inside of you. Prayer is to protect you as a believer. And you know the greatest dangers of no prayer? You can't see. You can't see. I can see every problem in my life now because I've established prayer. I know the areas that I'm lacking. I know it clearly. You know why? Because I can see through the way that I pray. So let's have a look here. There are two postures here in Ephesians chapter 6. We go to Ephesians chapter 6, verse 13 to 17. Now we're going to look at the next characteristic of what it means to have no oil. And it makes perfect sense. It makes perfect sense of why believers will fall into this place. Let's have a look. <coughs> Ephesians chapter 6, verse 13 to 17. Now there are two postures that speaks about that armor. What is Paul speaking about? What is Paul speaking about? The armor of God, right? Is it a coincidence that I'm speaking about the armor? 
They used to, and what did they used to do in the Old Testament? They used to anoint the shield, symbolic of the anointing of the Holy Spirit. So now Paul's bringing it to the light. Let's have a read. Therefore, put on the complete armor of God so that you'll be able to successfully resist and stand your ground in the evil day of danger. Now, now what are they doing? He's in a posture of what? Standing. Pay attention now, because there's two mysteries here that I'm going to speak about. I've never seen it like this, but thank God. Having done everything that the crisis demands, to stand firm in your place, fully prepared, immovable, and victorious. Now, isn't it interesting here? It says here that the crisis demands. Now, isn't it interesting that breaking point or the falling away or the backsliding happens when crisis comes? Yes, we can agree with that. That when troubles come, pressure comes, struggles, trials, challenges, it either goes this way or it comes this way. To stand firm in your place, fully prepared, immovable, victorious. So stand firm, hold your ground. Having tightened the, the wind band of truth, which is personal integrity, moral courage around your waist, and having put on the breastplate of righteousness and upright heart. Now he's talking about the armor, that's, the armor that you carry standing, speaks about the Holy Spirit doing the work in your heart. It's not about prayer now. This is about the Holy Spirit changing what? Your character. So let's say, let's say, let's say the Holy Spirit comes upon your life and you want to hold on to pride. You want to hold on to bitterness. You want to hold on to the characteristics of Satan. Does that mean that the Holy Spirit has done the work in your heart? No. The Holy Spirit was designed to what? Change your inward nature. We agree? So now he's talking about when you stand to face the enemy, there is something that has to be produced in you or you will fall. In, in simple terms. So it says here, so stand firm and hold your ground, having tightened the wine band of truth, personal integrity and moral courage around your waist, and having put on the breastplate of righteousness and upright heart. And having strapped on your feet the gospel of peace in preparation to what? To face the enemy with firm-footed stability and the readiness produced by the good news. So there are two postures here. Standing, and when you put your shoes on, how do you put your shoes on? When you're kneeling, right? It's simple. Now, some people are going to start, gymnasium people, they're going to start, now nah, I'll do this, my shoe legs like this. <laughs> so when you want to tie your shoes and make sure that they are strong and they're ready for battle, you're on your knees. Yeah, symbolic of two postures, your prayer life and how you cooperate with the Holy Spirit in your heart. Okay? So your prayer life would dictate how the Holy Spirit reveals and begins to cleanse what's inside your heart. So it's a mixture. What is the armor a mixture of? Your prayer life and how the Holy Spirit changes your inward nature. 
And where does that come back to? How much you spend time with Him. And so many people, they spend time for the wrong reasons. You spend time so He can change you as a person. You understand that? I spend time with Him so He can change me in His image. So there are two postures here. The first one we already established about having strapped your feet. Uh, sorry. Yeah, having strapped your feet with the gospel of peace in preparation to face the enemy. You're never standing when, you face, when you're preparing to face the enemy. You're always in a place where you're seated and you're ready to locate him. Okay? So now we're going to talk about standing. What does God mean to stand when you're facing the enemy? So let's have a look. I'll quickly go through these. There's a bit of scripture. We'll go to Matthew 26, 41. This is for the kneeling posture. This is for the kneeling posture. So there are two postures that God wants you to have when you walk on earth, which, which, will, will, which will determine if you remain faithful to the end with oil. Now these are Jesus' words. Watch and pray, lest you enter temptation. The spirit indeed is willing, but the flesh is weak. So, so how, do you, how do you stay faithful and how do you protect yourself in your life on earth determines if you're established in your prayer life. Now that word watch, it means like you're so alert at the night to see if the enemy is going to try to intrude in you. Very deep word. It means that you're overly sensitive to guard yourself. Luke chapter 21, 34 to 36. Look here. Be on guard. That word is watch. It says, but be on guard so that your hearts are not weighed down and depressed with the giddiness of debauchery and the nausea of self-indulgence and the worldly worries of life. And then that day when the Messiah returns will not come on you suddenly like a trap. What do you mean? I'm a believer. It's going to feel like I'm, a, I'm, I'm, I'm trapped by God. It's trapped because you didn't prepare. I share something with you. I share something with you. I had three dreams last year. While the book of Revelation was playing about Jesus coming on the clouds, I saw a picture of the church here in Australia. And I'm standing on another cloud. You have to hear this. I'm standing on another cloud. And as this, the scripture was playing in real life around 2 or 3 in the morning, it's playing, audible, dramatized version, playing all night. It's playing. And verse by verse, I can see what the Lord's doing in the sky. But I'm next to him, but I'm not with him. 
And as he was coming on the clouds, it was a very dark day. And as he's coming on the clouds, I see all the Christians, not non-believers, I saw Christians. And you know what they were doing? Can I share this? Uh, before I share it, I'll ask you the question. If you were to see Jesus Christ coming on the clouds today, what's the first thing that you will do? What's that? Neil? What's the first thing you do? Let's say you had treasures on earth. I'll start there. <laughs> Let's say you had treasures on earth. Let's say you got a bit comfortable in this life. And let's say you saw Jesus coming on the clouds, and he was coming. Not very quick, but he was coming. You know what I saw in my dream? I saw Christians running to their belongings and, and, and throwing them to anyone who would receive it. I saw people running to their bank to empty out everything they had. They were clenching their teeth. You have to hear. God let me see it so I can share. Not to put fear in you, but to prepare you. I saw them clenching and their teeth were cracking as they saw the Lord. But they were all Christians. They weren't non-believers. And they were running to get rid of their stuff because they finally knew that he's actually coming back. They finally understand with all their heart that he's coming back. And I saw it three times the same way. And it was a dark day for Christians. You know why? Because they slept and they slumbered. They didn't have discernment in the spirit. That I'm here, a sojourner, walking through the earth. Everything that I have, share. Everything that I receive, give. But they waited to the end. Not that they waited in the end, they were ignorant. They were blind because they weren't established. They weren't established as believers. I was waiting for someone to say, I'm going to go to the bank. <laughs> they were breaking their teeth and it was a dark day for Christians. Please, take this to heart. I'm not here to intimidate you. I'm here to tell you the truth. Everything that you have, give to the poor, give to the needy, give. As you're prompted and guided by God, because I'm telling you, it's a test here on earth. Don't be greedy. Don't be selfish. So, and then that day when the Messiah returns, will not come. This, this, this scripture, it's like what I saw. It's similar to what I saw. This is Jesus speaking. When the Messiah returns, it will not come on you suddenly like a trap, for it will come upon all those who live on the face of the earth. It's going to happen. And the devil will come to you and say, you know what, he's not coming in your time. Don't worry about it. <laughs> That's how the Antichrist spirit speaks. But keep alert at all times. Be attentive and ready. Praying. No. Sorry? Praying that you may have the strength and ability 
to be found worthy and to escape all these things that are going to take place and to stand in the presence of the Son of Man at His coming. Your prayer life must change. But you, you think about your prayer life here? Your prayer life for what? what? What's he trying to say about your prayer life here? Your prayer life to overcome all the things that the world offers. Not to be used by God, but to overcome the world in your heart. Can you see? Overcome the world and the flesh and selfishness from your heart. That's who God counts worthy because they didn't live for this world. Does that mean you're meant to live poor? No, the Bible says that He gives everything for your enjoyment. Yeah, it's in portion, but it's in measure. Especially in the beginning of someone's journey, the last thing I speak about is blessings. The first thing I speak about is the spiritual blessing of knowing Christ and being content. And whatever comes your way, you'll be able humbly to use it wisely. Next scripture. I'll go to Revelations. I'll take out the... Go to Revelations chapter 3, verse 2 to 3. Okay. Now, these are one of the letters that Jesus Christ addressed to the churches. Now here, let's read it. Now, you, you, you would believe me? You would think differently now, you know, about how you cooperated with the Holy Spirit on earth. Every person here, you'll begin to think differently how I am meant to cooperate with the Holy Spirit. Why? Because look here, this is the last book. This is the last book that offers you a blessing. You know the book of Revelation offers you a blessing to the hearers? You know why? Why? What does it offer you a blessing? It prepares you. It prepares you for His coming. It prepares you that you didn't Fail the test. So here, let's read Revelations chapter 3, verse 2 to 3. Wake up and strengthen and reaffirm what remains of your faithful commitment to me, which is about to die. I have not found any of your deeds completed in the sight of my God or meeting his So remember and take to heart the lessons you have received and heard. Keep and obey them and repent. Change your sinful way of thinking and demonstrate your repentance with new behavior that proves a constant decision to turn away from sin. Am I reading a different Bible? So then... If you do not wake up, I will come like a thief and you will not know at what hour I will come to you. So who are those when Jesus comes and, and, and they are trapped? It's those who are indulged in the world. 
It's those whose hearts were in the system of the world. Everything you are to live for today is for what? Everything that you are to live for today is for what? Preparing to meet the Lord. It's true. It's true. Everything that you're living here today is what? To prepare for that day. All the scriptures is to prepare you for what? For that day. And then mankind is what? Is destined to be judged once. Not twice. Mankind is to be destined to be judged once. And to give an account for his whole life. Now there is a fine balance with the love of God. And another one that I'm going to speak today. There's a fine balance. And we have to find that balance as believers. Okay? Next scripture. All right, we go now here. We go to Matthew 24. I love how Jesus shows these little treasures. We go to Matthew 24. Now, now look here. Look here how Jesus is showing them. Just open your eyes spiritually. Look here how Jesus is speaking about the second coming and all the things that are going to happen. Where is he sitting? He's sitting in the mountain of olives. What did he do there? He prayed. What's, what does olive produce? Anointing. You see, the Mount of olives in the Old Testament is symbolic of the holies of holies. That's what used to guard the, the ark. It's symbolic of how you have intimacy with God. Now look here. Now he sat on the Mount of Olives. The disciples came to him privately, saying, tell us. Hang on a second. Privately? In the secret place, God pours out everything to you. It's no, it's no accident that that's there. He's in the Mount of Olives, and they, they are coming to see all that he heard. Because these things, they are, they are shared in what? Fellowship. The disciples came to him privately saying, Tell us when will these things be and what will be the sign of your coming and the end of the age. Now this is a treasure for you to know that God will not withhold anything with you if you invest your time right. Really. Some people, some people they say, you know, I pray it's boring. I pray I don't hear anything. That's your flesh. That's your flesh. I can tell you something and I, and I can testify that in his presence, in his presence, there's no feeling, there's no emotion. There is a voice. And in that voice is the anointing. And in that, vo in that anointing is refreshment. He refreshes your soul. He takes you into glories of his presence, he takes you and he teaches you what you need to hear. Not what you want to hear. He teaches you what you need to hear. Okay, next. And Jesus answered and said to them, Take heed that no one deceives you. For many will come in my name, saying, I am the Christ, and will deceive many. 
and you will hear of wars and rumors of wars. See that you are not troubled, for all these things must come to pass, but the end is not yet. For nations will rise against nation, and kingdom against kingdom, and there will be famines, which is coming, pestilences, and earthquakes in various places. All these are the beginning of sorrows. Then they will deliver you up to tribulation and kill you, and you will be hated by all nations for my name's sake. And then many will be offended, will betray one another, and will hate one another. Then many false prophets will rise up and deceive many. And because lawlessness will abound, the love of many will grow cold. You see, can I say something? Take a step back. Do you see how many troubles a Christian goes through? And you're not establishing prayer, you can stand through them? Do you think you can stand through any of them if you're not established in prayer? You will fall to the world. Believe me, you will fall to the world. If you're not established in prayer, you can't stand. Because prayer was designed to sustain you. So you can stand when the devil comes, when the world comes. You know, everyone, everyone got the vaccine. You should get it too. Is the vaccine the issue? No, it's the truth that they allowed inside. It's the Holy Spirit that they allowed inside. Okay? But he who endures to the end shall be saved. And this gospel of the kingdom will be preached in all the world as a witness to all the nations, and then the end will come. So what do you get from all these scriptures that I'm quoting to you? Pray and watch. Pray and watch. So God can use you? God will use you. Pray and watch so, so you can begin to understand what he wants to do. Pray cannot be compromised. You will fall if you don't pray. And there are many areas that people fall when they don't pray. And, to, and, and for you to believe in your right mind that you can pray and you cannot pray and stand is deception. So your prayer life cannot be compromised. Because it's designed by God to be your communicator. It's designed by God to communicate with you. Look, when I was fasting 21 days and praying, he spoke to me about everything that's going to happen. With the jabs, with the vaccine, with the sicknesses, they're going to come after the kids. Then he took me into the parliament and they were finding ways to oppress the people. They were finding ways to break people's hearts. And God showed me that the dog came first, intimidation and fear. Then the spirit of Leviathan came, twisting of the word. Intimidation and fear allowed them to twist the word and they gave in. But because one person was established in prayer, he was able to hear. Revelations. Oh, sorry. Revelations 3, 7 to 19. 
Now, I'll read this one, and I'll get to quickly to the next one. But I want to show you here. These are the letters that Jesus wrote to the different churches. There were seven churches, and these are the letters that Jesus addressed the nations. Now, look. Revelations 3, 17 to 19 in the Amplified. Because you say I'm rich and have prospered and grown wealthy and have need of nothing. Can this sound like Australia? Can this sound like Australia? It can because we are well off here. In a way. Because you say I'm rich and have prospered and grown wealthy and have need of nothing. And you do not know that you are wretched and miserable and poor and blind and naked, without hope and in great need. I counsel you to buy from me gold that has been heated red hot and refined by fire so that you may not become truly rich. Oh, sorry, so that you may become truly rich. And white clothes representing righteousness. To clothe yourself so that your shame, so that the shame of your nakedness will not be seen. And healing salve to put on your eyes. That's anointing there. It talks about the anointing. And healing salve to put on your eyes so that you may see. Now, what was the issue? They couldn't see anymore. Why? Because their prayer life. Those whom I dearly and tenderly love, I rebuke and discipline, showing them their faults and instructing them. So be enthusiastic and repent. Change your inner self your old way of thinking, your sinful behavior, seek God's will. Can you see how Jesus addresses the churches at the end? Does it make sense for us today? Certainly. We need so much discipline. Mark 13, 33 to 37. Take heed, watch and pray, for you do not know when the time is. It is like a man going to a far country who left his house and gave authority to his servants and to each his work and commanded the doorkeeper to watch. Watch therefore, for you do not know when the master of the house is coming. In the evening, at midnight, at the crowning of the rooster, or in the morning. Oh, sorry, crowing of the rooster. Lest coming suddenly, he find you sleeping. And what I say to you, I say to all, watch. Okay, so now let's go to the next piece of the shield. Let's go to the next piece of the shield. Let's go to Revelations, chapter 19, verse 5 to 9. Now, the first, the, four, the first anointing shield is what? Watch and pray. Yes? That allowed them to have oil when the Lord comes back. Okay? The second, the second shield of the heart is what I'm going to preach about today. Okay? Now, this is the shield here. 
Revelations 19.5, Then a voice came from the throne, saying, Praise our God, all you his servants, and those who fear him. That's the second shield, is the fear of God. Both small and great. And I heard, as it were, the voice of a great multitude, as the sound of many waters, and as the sound of mighty thundering, saying, Hallelujah, for the Lord... God, omnipotent, reigns. Let us be glad and rejoice and give him glory for the marriage of the Lamb has come and his wife has made herself ready. Is it how you start or is it how you prepare your heart? Are, you, are we all listening here? Is it how you start or is it how you prepare and cooperate and hearken to the voice of God? Can you see? So, what made her ready? What made her ready? The fear of God. Can you see? It's simple. What made the bride of Christ ready? Watch and prayer? Fear of God. The ones who didn't have oil, what did they lack when they saw him? The fear of God. They lacked the fear of God. Next scripture. And to her it was granted to be arrayed in fine linen, clean and bright. That word bright in the Greek is lamp. Are we listening? This word here, whoever wants to search it out, that word here is Strong's 2985 and 2986. That word in the Greek is a lamp. What did they come? What did they come with Jesus? The lamp that carried oil? What, what did they have? The fear of God in them. And the love of God and the fear of God are two different things. And I will share about it. But the love of God and, and the fear of God are two different things. Jesus had them both. Okay? For the fine linen is the righteous acts of the saints. Then he said to me, Right, blessed are those who are called to the marriage supper of the Lamb. And he said to me, these are the true sayings of God. Next scripture. Revelations 21, verse 1 to 8. Now, this, is, this scripture is speaking of what it means to not have oil. Then I saw a new heaven and a new earth, for the first heaven and the first earth had passed away, vanished. And there is no longer any sea, and I saw the holy city, the new Jerusalem, coming down out of the heaven from God, arrayed like a bride adorned for her husband. And then I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, See, the tabernacle of God is among men, and he will live among them, and they will be his people. And God himself will be with them as their God. And he'll wipe away every tear from their eyes, and there will no longer be death. There will no longer be sorrow and anguish or crying or pain, for the former order of things has passed away. And he who sits on the throne said, Behold, I am making all things new. Also he said, Write, for these words are faithful and true. They are accurate, incorruptible, and trustworthy. And he said to me, it is done. 
I'm the Alpha, the Omega, the beginning and the end. To the one who thirsts, I'll give water from the fountain of the water of life without cost. He who, he who, the worldly by adhering, the world by adhering faithfully to Christ Jesus as Lord and Savior will inherit these things. And I will be his God and he will be my son. But as for the cowards and unbelieving and abominable who are devoid of what? Character. What's the Holy Spirit meant to do inside of you? Change your heart, which changes your character. Can you see? The first encounter you have with the Holy Spirit is to take the world away from you and to change your heart with the heart of Christ. who are devoid of character and personal integrity and practice or tolerate immorality and murderers and sorcerers with intoxicating drugs and idolaters and occultists who practice and teach false religions and all the liars who knowingly deceive and twist truth. Their part will be in the lake that blazes with fire and brimstone, which is the second death. Can you compromise? Stop compromising. You have the throne of grace now to get washed. You have the precious Holy Spirit in you to help you. There is no excuse. That's how, that's how eager you are to cooperate with Him. First John chapter 5, verse 20. Now look here why Jesus came. We know that he came to die on the cross for our sins, but look here. He came for something deeper. And we know that the Son of God has come and has given us understanding that we may know him who is true. Give us understanding. Now he's showing us the treasure here. And we are in him who is true. In his son, Jesus Christ, this is the true God and eternal life. Amen. Next scripture, John 28, 28 uh, Job 28, 28. Understanding now. Now look what he says here. And to man he said, behold, the fear of the Lord that is wisdom and to depart from evil is understanding. Next scripture, James chapter 1, verse 5. If any of you lacks wisdom, you should ask God, who gives generously to all without finding fault, and it will be given to you. What wisdom was that? The fear of God. What are you meant to ask God for? The fear of God. You're meant to ask Him for it. Because it's given by Him. It's not produced by you. It's given to Him. How does God truly know that you're after Him? Is when you want to operate in the fear of God. Why? Because then you've separated yourself from the world. You've separated, you've detached. I'm after you, Lord. That's how God sees that you're after him. Is when you want to separate from the world. Now, the next treasure, and I'm going to finish off here, is Psalms 115, verse 11. Now, what is the anointing shield? 
What is the anointing shield that they had at Jesus' second coming? They had the fear of God. The first one, they watched and prayed. Then they had the fear of God. But you see how they follow systematically? Watch and pray. Then the fear of God is produced in you. Look, you who fear the Lord, trust in the Lord. He is the help and the shield. What is the fear of God? It is your shield. What protects you on earth? The fear of God. What didn't they have when they had no oil? God knows. You know, he knows my heart. I love him, but you know, I'm connected everywhere. <laughs> I'm connected everywhere. I have many other ways until he comes back on the cloud. Take this to heart. Your prayer life was designed to what? Prepare you for which day? When he comes on the cloud. Take it to heart. When he comes back on the cloud. Everything that we work for today is for which day? Is for when the Lord comes back. And you know how Satan comes and talks to you? He's not coming in my time. <laughs> Very simple, eh? He's not coming in my time. You know, it's okay. I'll die. I've I served him and I've done whatever I can. So you start to see having no oil is a bit deeper now. Man, my prayer life's out of order. Man, my heart's like a gate. Darkness comes in. Sin comes in. The world comes in. Goes back out. Comes in. The fear of God is lacking in my life. Why? Because you're not established in the presence. Because you haven't understood why the Holy Spirit was given. The Holy Spirit was given to what? What's the point of you going to God? Father, in Jesus' name, I repent, I'm sorry. And then you get up the next day, you're fled for the same thing. You're enticed by the same thing. What have you achieved? What has God done in you? What has he delivered you from? What's the point? Have you ever thought about it? The throne of grace is for what? The throne of grace is for what? Yes, to receive mercy. Yes, to receive forgiveness. But to give you grace and help to, to pull those things out of you. What's the point of you repenting? Father, forgive me. And the next day you're fled up to do the same thing. Has Jesus really delivered you? Has Jesus really changed your inward nature? Has he? Because that's what he wants to do. He died to destroy the works of the devil in your heart. So that when you walk, you walk pure. And yes, if you do stumble, yes, we will stumble. God forbid. They, they, times will happen when we make mistakes. I know. But what's the point of you staying away from something and everything in you wants it? Do you understand? What's the point of you saying, I'm going to stay away from lust, but you're like a hungry dog I've got to get to it. God changes that. He changes that hunger and that desire. That's what it means to be delivered by the Lord. That's what it means to be cleansed by the Lord. Imagine, 
I'm not going to say nothing to this person, but everything in you is raging against that person. What have you achieved? Nothing. The Holy Spirit wants to change what's inside, so naturally you love and there's no more boundaries. I'm not going to look at anyone's belongings anymore, but everything in me is envying for everything. What have you achieved? Jesus has to make you what? Content. With food and clothing, I'll be content. God will never leave me, nor forsake me. So imagine you, you're, 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 you're on a rampage inside. Father, forgive me, I did this. And the next day, you're, you can't wait to get your hands on it again. Jesus does the inward work. He changes your heart. That's why he died. That's why he gave you the Holy Spirit. To change you inside where your worship is true to him. Where your heart is true to him. That's how I treat the Holy Spirit in my life. What's the point of saying I love you and everything in you doesn't love him? What's the point? What's the point of saying, you know, Father, forgive me for my sins and what I've done. And the next day you, you want to chase after that and possess it. What have you achieved? Have Jesus really died for you inside? It's not true. Jesus has to change what's inside. And I understood that, that the Holy Spirit is there for this purpose. Out of everything that you see for the preparation of the Lord, what was the Holy Spirit designed to do? Put the fear of God in you. And the Holy Spirit is the one who cleanses you. And you have a throne where you can go to understand that before I change my behavior, God has to change my heart. You understand? Do you understand that? God has to change your heart. And how, how do you change your heart when you go to his throne? When you ask him for the fear of God? When you ask him to hate what is evil, that's when it becomes true. That's when God inside of you becomes true. Are you getting this? I sit with people and I hear sometimes, you know, they speak about people. Imagine what they're entertaining inside. I have snippets of people come to me and they complain and they hear gossip and whatnot. And I think to myself, I go back home. I think, is there any point of praying? And I think to myself, imagine what they're saying from their lips. Imagine the kingdom that's inside of them. A lot of people have failed to understand what the Holy Spirit has to do inside of them. Change you. Where you walk pure, true. So let's say you're entertaining pride and you want to run away from it. Let's say you entertain lust and you want to run away from it. That's what you bring to the blood. That's what you repent from. You say, Lord, wash me and cleanse me from this. Because if there are things that are a pattern in you that are continuously surfacing and they're ruling over your life and they're dominating over your life, they're the things that the Holy Spirit wants to change. Don't make that mistake. Because let's say, I'm not going to think about it, but every single couple of weeks, they pop up. They surface. The Holy Spirit wants to take those things from you so that you walk, then you're free. Then your worship towards God is pure. So imagine confessing every day, forgive me, Lord. 
He forgives you. Think deeply. Why am I continuously doing these things? Lord, you have to change my heart, Lord. Lord, it's because of the cross that I can be exchanged. He's transferred me from the kingdom of darkness into the kingdom of his son that he loves. That's the cross that your behavior is changed. That envy, pride, jealousy, greed, selfishness is taken away. That's when your call of God is true. Understand this. When I look at my life, I say, well, I can see these things that are surfacing. I can see them. I understand the Holy Spirit wants that. Till the end, he will cry out to help you in this way. Till the end determines how you cooperate with him. So think about it. Because he's meant to change you. The Holy Spirit was given to transform you. But if you don't cooperate with him and you run away from him because of guilt, condemnation, unworthiness, feeling separated, feeling like these patterns are so constant, then he will never do that work. Don't be afraid. The cross is for that. The cross is for that place. To bring the filth of the filth and lay it down at his feet. That's the cross. That's the cross. Not your sin, your heart. Because when your heart is transformed, you will no longer go down that channel. You get it? So the, the patterns in your life, the patterns in your life is what the Holy Spirit wants. The patterns, that behavioral pattern that keeps you stumbling, keeps you sinning, keeps you in darkness. He wants that. And the Holy Spirit's inside ready for you to speak truth to him. Amen? All right, let's pray. You pray in your heart. I won't be praying for anyone tonight. I want this word to sink inside of you. I want you to understand that God's interested in the behavior that keeps you stumbling, that keeps you sinning. He wants to change this. And what blessed my heart before I finished is the fine linen, the fine linen that Jesus robes puts on side of you. You know, there, there was a, there's a Jewish tradition that the more and more you wash the robe, the more and more it shines. Symbolic of how you go to the throne of grace to get washed. It's symbolic of the fine linen of the acts of the saints. It was so bright that it became a lamp. It was because they knew where to go to get washed. Don't run away from this place. Jesus met me in a tip, in a tip. Everything inside stunk, but I knew where to go, and that is the cross. I know where to go to get washed. Not to, not to just forgive my sin, but to change the behavior of my heart. That is the treasure. Because once you're changed, no more are you in the den of the enemy. No more you're in reach of the enemy. Your heart's changed. Resist the devil, he'll flee. So the throne of grace where you receive help, mercy and grace in time of need 
is where he washes you by his blood. Meaning, don't hide nothing from him. The Bible keeps talking about the sin that leads to death. You know the sin that leads to death is the sin you do not confess. The sin that Paul keeps speaking about, there is a sin that leads to death, I pray that you don't pray for them, is the sin that they don't confess to God. Bring it to the light. There's nothing that Jesus cannot cleanse. In the small or the big. So we thank you, Father. In the mighty name of Jesus Christ. I pray, Father, in Jesus' name, that the fear of God is produced in every heart. And the fear of God is to hate evil, arrogance, pride, and, and an evil speech you hate. I pray, Father, that we may understand the true fear of God, which is to avoid everything of the flesh and walk by your Spirit. Thank you, Lord. We pray for this grace to come upon us, that we may have true reverence and love for you, Lord. Thank you. Thank you, Jesus. I pray for the grace to pray and watch and the grace and the wisdom that's found in the fear of God to be manifested upon every heart. And if there are people here that want to give their life to Jesus, lift your hands, I pray for you. Or if I should say, if you want to repent and receive Jesus as your Lord and Savior, I pray for you. We thank you, Father, in the mighty name of Jesus Christ, that every heart receives you today. I pray for your grace to be upon them. Thank you, Lord. We worship you. We thank you for your living word that still speaks to now. We thank you. And I pray that you prepare every person here, Lord, for your second coming. Amen.